Rob, thanks so much for your time today, mate. Um, really appreciate it. I know you're busy, so thank oh, you. Thank you so much for making the trip over here. All good. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're thrilled to be here. So just for a context, we're sitting in the lounge room of the high home here in Wallet in Victoria, yep. which is an initiative from the Australian Gas Infrastructure Group. I've got Rob here with me, who's the senior engineer. And Rob, can you just explain your involvement in this project? Yeah, absolutely. So this, I project managed the creation of this house, um, helped out with the design, brought all of our partners on, and then oversaw the construction and installation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. The um, hydrogen system. Would you mind giving us a background in like what the high home, I guess, represents and why it was important to create and engineer this concept? This house, it's a demonstration and a feasibility study of what a hydrogen future could look like for residential use of hydrogen in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's specific to Australian conditions and Australian houses. Yep. Um, and we've learned an awful lot through this process that will apply to future updates and future sort of standards reviews as we, yeah. What are some of the things you've learned? Oh, so um, it's all about how we install um sort of the equipment, how the hydrogen interacts within the equipment, what parts of the Australian standards don't really apply anymore mm-hmm. or do apply and we need to slightly change. There's not a lot, to be honest, that needs to change, but there's a few little things that were really interesting. Was there anything that surprised you that you that you found out, you know, as you're going through this concept and designing the appliances and, you know, because being it's an Australian first initiative, is there anything that sort of surprised you? Well, yeah, one of, one of the main ones was um, the, the whole purpose of running hydrogen and other renewable gases through our network will be to reduce our carbon dioxide emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you burn hydrogen, you, you, you don't have carbon dioxide, you don't have carbon monoxide. And an awful lot of the Australian standards for installations of appliances and locations, et cetera, are around safety and what to do with those combusted gases. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really apply anymore. So it really can open up the installation location, yeah. et cetera, of appliances going forward. That's unreal. Because, I mean, yeah, we did speak about that um, earlier um, over there at the cooktop and everyone's going to see this video come out eventually. And um, that was one of the interesting things that came to mind is like coming, you know, I know Victoria banned the use of um, uh, like some space heaters. And then we had a discussion about how, you know, some, some of those things like that may not be relevant anymore because yeah, the, when you're burning hydrogen, there is no um, noxious um, fumes coming out. So can you just touch on that, Rob? Safety of appliances in the homes is really critical. Um, and ensuring safety for our customers is always at the front and switching to say hydrogen, renewable generated hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, as you, as you burn and use it in your house, um, it, it won't have, it, it, oh, it, it behaves a bit differently, but it, it won't have the, um, carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide. So for example, our continuous flow hot water services that we've got mounted outside on the wall. Mm. Generally, they're supposed to be at a certain height and a certain distance away from windows so mm. that the fumes can't get sucked back in if yeah. they're natural gas and sucked back into the house. But when we were doing this project, we, we, we technically didn't have to comply with that part of yeah. the standard. Um, so that opens up 
how you can design the house with say smaller gaps between windows on the side of the house where you're going to install it. Mm -hmm. Or it means you can tuck away the heater so maybe somewhere else where you want it a bit better. Yeah. And similar for use indoors if you mm. you don't have those same safety concerns. So do you know if like um sorry, what was the O OTR equivalent over here? E C uh, so Energy Safe Victoria yeah. is the equivalent. Yes, yeah. So yeah. do you know if they, they might have to start, you know, if when hydrogen becomes pre prevalent, some of these, maybe these Australian standards might have to be reviewed. Do you know if they're looking at doing any of that now with, you know, the changes in the flue gas properties and stuff like that? Absolutely. We're actually working on standards updates at the moment. Um, so a couple of things we learned from this house and because we engaged and worked really closely with Energy Safe Victoria as we're developing this house, what we learnt through this is going to be applied to these standards updates. Okay. Um, so a few things is um, uh, residential appliances, cooktops, heaters, etc., go through bulk certification testing and type A testing mm -hmm. when they're done and that's to a set standards of tests like how hot do they burn, how much um, emissions do they make, how safe are they to use and when you walk through those tests, there's, a, there's a, quite a few tests that don't apply once you start doing mm. hydrogen mm -hmm. so we need to tweak those yeah. certification schemes slightly to adapt and yep. through this project we now know which bits we want to change yeah which was really cool. useful yeah um but also when it comes to say fitting line installation um we worked out through this project that you can actually really reuse an awful lot of 5601 mm -hmm. the fitting line installation standard and some stuff needs to change but a very little part yep. of it can you touch on anything that might need to change that you found? So the main part that needs to change in 5601 is really how you, um, it, it lists tables in the back for yeah. like how you size stuff for LPG uh, versus natural mm. gas. Um, mm -hmm. It has allowable materials for each material, for each, um, for each gas that it covers. Yeah. I think by introducing hydrogen, it, differs enough from LPG and natural gas that those tables will need to be sort of redone slightly for mm. um, hydrogen. Yeah. Um, not, nothing major, but it's just because it's such a prescriptive standard, mm -hmm. it just needs to be updated slightly to now cover hydrogen. I'm really glad you brought that up. That was one of the questions I was going to get to is like, I was going to ask you if, um, yeah, some things like the gas sizing chart may need to be re-looked at. And um, well, you answered that, which is cool. And then I suppose that comes to a question, which was not so much of a question, but um, is an interesting topic. I think we're going to have to think about is like maybe, you know, plumbers are going to plumb from a plumbing perspective, obviously this is what a lot of stuff we're concerned about. It's probably we're going to have to be doing some upskilling in regards to, um, you know, this, the, the gas properties being different and the gas sizing. So from like a learning perspective, you know, I think kids and existing plumbers moving forward are going to have to, um, they're going to, have to update like the curriculums and stuff. Would you say that, Rob, or do you know, do you know yeah. much about what they're doing in that regard? Well, ju just on the sizing, we actually found that you don't have to change the sizing at okay. all. Uh, it's really just about sort of double checking and creating separate tables so that it's explicitly called out. Yeah. If that yep. makes sense. So you could rerun hydrogen through an ex existing natural gas fitting line without any issues. Yeah, sweet. Um, so that's the first bit. When it comes to upskilling, that's a that's another one that we learnt a lot of through this project. Mm -hmm. um, it so hydrogen 
differs enough from natural gas that and LPG that you need to be aware of the differences. Yep. But it's not such a big gap that it falls outside the existing sort of skill set mm -hmm. that a, a gas fitter would have, um, which is really cool. And uh, our gas fitters in Victoria, South Australia, are really, 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 um, really good at what they do. Um, what we found through this is it's more of an awareness of the differences and what sort of little challenges you might have mm -hmm. through the way rather than a wholesale, yeah. you have to learn a whole new trade yeah. sort of thing. Um, so this installation, the fitting line was constructed by a qualified gas fitter mm -hmm. here in Victoria mm -hmm. um, and was signed off by Energy Safe Victoria under their existing yeah, that's process cool. for yeah. signing off fitting lines. Um, so we really didn't have to learn anything, mm. um, but just a few little things. Mm. So, yeah. And are you on the same pressure? Uh, like, you know, this consumer pipe work is running at the same pressure as it would be if it was a natural gas install? Yeah, it actually is. Um, this house's fitting line is 2.75 kPa hydrogen, exactly the same as what it was yep. under natural gas. Yep. Um, and the fitting line was constructed and run as you normally would a mm -hmm. fitting line. Yeah, sweet. Rob, AGI, I guess AGIG's plan is, is, to, is to use like a mix of hydrogen and biomethane. Can you just like touch on the differences maybe in the properties between the two gases? Like, Because oh, I understand maybe biomethane is a bit more, more similar to natural gas. Yeah, AGIG has a vision to replace natural gas within our networks um, over a period of time mm -hmm. with renewable gases. Two types of renewable gas we're looking into. One is hydrogen created from electrolysis using renewable energy. Um, and the second one is biomethane, which is upgraded from biogas, which is a waste product from say landfill gas or mm. wastewater treatment plants or farm sort of waste. Anytime you have rotting biological yep. matter, you can create biogas. Um, then you then upgrade it, strip out everything apart from the methane. And then for all intents and purposes, that's identical to natural gas. Okay. That um, that can be put into the network and used using existing appliances mm -hmm. um, and existing processes. And Gemini already have one of these up and running in New South Wales. Okay. Where they're pumping um, biomethane into the yep. gas grid. Do you know at what point um, as the, you know, we go forward 10, 20 years and we're starting to implement more um, hydrogen into the, you know, the mix? I know they're starting off at a 5%. Yep. you know, moving to 10 and then like with a vision of like 2040 or, you know, as the best case scenario to be 100% hydrogen. Yep. At what, do you know at what point, Rob, the appliances need to, you know, they can't take the, you know what I mean? Like where's yeah, the switch over Yeah, where's point? the switch over, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so hydrogen being the other form of renewable gas we're looking into, it differs enough from natural gas that how it burns and how it interacts with appliances, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it sort of it sort of doesn't work as well, and it starts creating some issues. So, we've been doing a lot of research through Adelaide Uni and the Future Fuels CRC, um, where we've been investigating Australian appliances, both old ones that have been installed and brand new ones, to see what sort of limits of hydrogen they can tolerate. Mm -hmm. And we found that they can tolerate up to about twenty percent hydrogen by volume. Okay. Before they start having issues, so the limits of blending hydrogen in will be around uh, 20%. Yep. And from then you need to switch to different burner technology. Yeah, cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so, well, that leads me, I suppose, into this is, 
from from an appliance perspective, I know you guys at AGIG have been working really closely with Renault and Electrolux, and maybe a couple of others in developing, you know, these these hydrogen powered um, appliances here. Can you? And I think here in particular, it's the hot water heater, the gas barbie, the cooktop, and the central heater. Yeah. Can you just maybe just let us know a little bit about what that process looked like, Rob, when you had to go to the appliance manufacturers, you know, to how, how did that process come, come about? What did that look like? Yeah, cool. Well, it was very much a sort of a partnership here. Um, it's while AGIG sort of led the project, mm -hmm. Rinai Electrolux was really key to the success and really cool to work with. Um, so they, Renai had developed a continuous flow hot water service and they, they announced that sort of around 18 months ago now. Yep. Um, and it was discussions between AGIG and Renai that sort of kicked off this project saying, hey, why don't we do something to show, show off how it works? Mm -hmm. um, and then we got in contact with Electrolux who happened to be developing a hydrogen cooktop as well and said, well, will yours be ready by then? And it was, so yep. they were on board too. Um, so they've developed these through their labs, um, their R&D labs. Mm -hmm. And um, these are sort of the first or second generation prototypes, very close to manufacturability, um, but still prototypes. Yep. Um, and they, um, we've worked really closely to A, do the installation, but B, to sort of test and monitor how they actually operate in real world conditions so we can feed back into the ongoing development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet. And can you just touch on, Rob, how this, because I know I'm going to get, you know, people will be interested in actually how the hydrogen is is getting here. Like, so, you know, can you explain that? And I'd also love to understand, um, you know, without giving away your answer, I know it's bottled, because we're on bottled gas here, but where are you actually getting that from as well? Yeah, absolutely. So with um, our, our vision, obviously, is to transport the hydrogen through our existing pipe work in our streets and mains, which is compatible with 100% hydrogen, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't currently exist yet yep. to do that. Um, so for this demonstration, we're running off bottled hydrogen <laughs> um, and we, BOC helped us out hugely with um, doing the design and installation of our sort of hydrogen supply system here. Yep. Um, running off bottled hydrogen, sort of similar to how you'd run off bottled LPG. You just have a few more bottles because mm -hmm. it's not quite as energy dense. Mm -hmm. um, and what we've done is we've developed a system where we can exchange the bottles, um, reduce it in pressure down to the similar pressures you would have in our distribution network or in our thinning lines, and then mm -hmm. pump it through as you normally would. We're also odorizing the hydrogen here because yeah. Odorant is the primary control of detecting issues. Mm -hmm. If there's a leak or something, similar to natural gas or LPG, that's how you know something's wrong. Yep. So by doing that, um, it we've been able to install it in the house mm. without any other modifications. Yeah, sweet. And I, I mean, this is in the other video as well, but I think it was really cool. Um, can you just describe a little bit about how you've, you guys have found how the hydrogen burns differently? Like, you know, predominantly from like a gas cooktop perspective, it's got some sort of unique properties I think that are sort of obvious actually even when you light it up which is pretty cool if you could touch on what you found with that yeah yeah um so hydrogen it has a higher flame speed than natural gas um so what that means is the flame travels much faster mm -hmm. um and it rather than start with a bit of a warmth it starts with more of a pop yeah it sort of accelerates it's really and it's, cool you definitely know it's running but it, it's not sort of it's 
once you like once you know what's happening, it's it's a really good indicator that the thing's running. Mm-hmm. Um, so they that's the main difference that everyone notices is how it starts. Um, some other things that people mention is how quiet it is is once it's running. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's just doesn't seem to have that same sort of hiss that you get with natural gas. Yep. Um, but the other one, we've had a few chefs cook on it and they are impressed with how variable the um, turndown is, on the, especially on the cooktop. You can go. You, you can use the large burner. Go from really hot down to really really low temperatures, all using the same burner and mm-hmm. without the flame accidentally blowing out. Yeah. Or um, it it just stays really stable the mm-hmm. whole way through, and that's because of this higher flame speed. And it it you actually need a little bit less energy to ignite hydrogen as well, so it it, it burns much easier, okay. much cleaner, and much more controlled. Yeah. And the only byproduct is vapor, water vapor. And a, lo- and a little bit of NOx. And a little bit of NOx. When you say NOx, what do you mean by that? So anytime you heat up air, oxygen and nitrogen, okay, they combine into oxides of nitrogen yeah. and oxygen, um, oxides of nitrogen. Um, so it's a, you get NOx when you burn natural gas, you get NOx when you burn LPG, you get NOx when you burn petrol in your car just because you're heating air up so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and existing appliances cooktops, et cetera, barbecues have limits of how much NOx they're allowed to produce. Okay. For the hydrogen cooktops, uh, it's met the existing NOx limits. Yeah, sweet. Um, I'd love if you could just explain, Rob, a bit about the existing infrastructure that we have in the streets, you know, what that is essentially made up of. And I know, I guess it's probably a um, mix of materials. Yep. Because we sort of spoke about earlier off camera as like, um, some people have some concerns about like the hydrogen gas um, having different properties that react with metals. Yep. So, but I know that you guys have done some research and found that um, you know some interesting things with well, maybe like the the research that and the demonstrations you've done. Um, can you yeah? So can you touch on I guess what sort of is under the roads essentially, and then what you found with the hydrogen now and how is you know the concern people have around it and how you found that it's not so bad. Um, this has been the last three years of my life, so it's, it? it's, it's pretty cool to have Get so much it, interest. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have we have pipelines running down pretty much every street mm-hmm. in Victoria and South Australia, especially Metro. Um, there are tens of thousands, if well, hundreds of thousands of kilometres of network. Our pipe work um, runs. It's it's predominantly made up of two materials: steel. Um, and polyethylene plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other materials that we use, but they're slowly being phased out as we replace them with polyethylene. Yep. Um, and the network generally operates at about 500 kPa, mm-hmm. um, but the further upstream you move up the network, it gets to higher pressures so we can transport heaps of gas really quickly through single pipes. Yep. So uh, upstream, our highest pressures get up to around the 10,000 kPa mark. 10,000 kPa? Yeah. And we, then we reduce it step by step as you get closer to your house. Mm-hmm. Out the front of your house is most likely 500 kPa or around that. Yep. And then it gets reduced at your gas meter down to 2.75. Mm-hmm. Um, a key concern for us going forwards is how would our pipes work with hydrogen or biogas because they are slightly different. And hydrogen being the smallest element 
has this habit of the atoms get inside mm. every other everything and they change the properties mm-hmm. of things so with steel it you get what's called hydrogen embrittlement where rather than bend it's more likely to crack yeah not a great thing yep if you want stuff to um not leak um and with polyethylene it gets in there and it does some interesting stuff as well what we've found um is that our existing distribution networks even with and this is through a lot of research with multiple unis and international australian based research what we found is that our our existing assets are compatible and will work really well Mm -hmm. with hydrogen uh blends of hydrogen say 10 20 percent hydrogen or up to 100 percent hydrogen yep or or pure biogas um and that's because um even though it does get more brittle or it does change stuff slightly we so over design our pipe works for safety reasons mm-hmm. that it's not it's not funny um they can well and truly take a slight change in their st- characteristics and still operate very safely yeah so that's really cool and I'll, look, I'll, I'll, I'll probably wrap up with this last question, Rob, that because um, I think I would like to address it because I think we're definitely going to get questions about it. Yep. Is um, when we're at the barbecue before you mentioned like um, just around that hydrogen takes about three times more more volume than natural gas to produce the same heat. Yep. And I know I'm going to get questions around like affordability and you know all sorts of stuff around that. What can you, can you divulge a bit more information on, you know, how that, because people are just going to hear, oh, it's going to take, they're going to think it's going to take three times more hydrogen. So can you just sort of like expand on that for me? Absolutely. Well, there's sort of two parts to that question. One is because you have to transport three times as much volume, the question comes up, will our existing pipes work? Mm. Because trying to squeeze that much more extra gas through our pipes, Mm -hmm. like how does that work? And the good thing about hydrogen is it flows much much less friction in our pipes so we can move it faster um so we don't have to change the diameter of our pipes to keep delivering the same amount of energy okay. so there's no costs to i guess the consumers in terms of us having to upgrade our network mm-hmm. for that they're, they're ready the second part about like hey i have to use three times as much gas now that's sort of consumers are already build in energy terms they're not build in volume okay so you only build how much energy you use uh um we do measure your gas meter does measure in volume but we convert it before the right. bill is sent so yeah. like joules or whatever you want to call yeah it. yeah so you you're building mega joules not meters cubed yeah um so in terms of what happens with the billing so the same billing system will still work mm-hmm. what it really comes down to is how can how how can we actually produce the hydrogen or the biogas cheaply enough to replace mm-hmm um, natural gas and the, the good news is that those cost curves are coming down as technology changes yep. um, and it, it's depending on which futures report you read there's a whole host of varying mm-hmm. promises about what the future price is yeah I know they've got some big things in the work don't, don't works like that have been I think approved for like the Murray Valley hydrogen plant from what I understand um, so these are the things that are cut that have been putting in place are they Rob to produce the hydrogen yeah absolutely so we're already blending hydrogen into parts of the adelaide network okay around tonsley yep um there so we're currently delivering five percent blended hydrogen to four thousand customers mm-hmm. in adelaide we're about to take that to ten percent um we've just got a project going in 
Victoria and New South Wales where we're going to deliver 10% hydrogen to all of Aubrey-Wodonga. Um, yeah, really cool. At no additional cost mm. to the consumers. Um, and we've got similar projects happening in Queensland um, yep. and other ones in the pipeline, much bigger than those. Yeah, sweet. And I, I probably should have asked this question at the start, but it's just popped up to me now. Rob, can you just touch a little bit on like, because before I started doing a lot of this research, I was um, totally, you know, didn't know any of this either. So I think it's an interesting topic just to even go go all the way back to the start and how is, what what are the actual benefits of hydrogen, I suppose, like, you know, how is it more, how is it produced that's different yeah. to like a fossil fuel, like natural gas? And then I guess there's the other element, which we maybe we've touched on is about when it's burnt, it's not actually creating the emissions as well. But can you just reverse it back to where maybe I should have started, yeah, yeah, which is right. like how yeah. it's produced and how it's different in that regard? The whole point of us changing away from natural gas is to try and reduce the emissions for our customers, basically. Um, we... As a gas distribution company, we don't really use the gas, but our customers do. So we want to be able to offer a product that our customers can use so they don't have any carbon emissions. Yep. Natural gas comes from um, uh, like drilling, basically drilling holes and getting from oil wells and oil wells are generally a mix of oil and gas. So mm -hmm. full of gas off and then you burn it, produces carbon dioxide, which... Um, we, we're trying to reduce. Um, so we've got um, the two options we've got for replacing that um, is one is hydrogen and the second is biomethane. Hydrogen, um, you can produce a few different ways. Um, the way, the, the green way of producing it um, is you use electricity and a process called electrolysis, which is basically putting um, are running a current through water and then the water splits into hydrogen and oxygen. Mm -hmm. um, then you can take the hydrogen, pump it into the gas mains. Yep. Um, and when you burn hydrogen, um, because there's no carbon in hydrogen, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't produce any carbon dioxide. It doesn't produce any carbon monoxide. So you actually, you, you don't produce any emissions. Yeah, that's right. Which is really cool. Um, so that's sort of the process and that that's hydrogen wise. Um, the other flip side is, is you, biomethane is a potential. It's very similar in properties to natural gas. It's basically rotting vegetation. It produces um, what or rotting biological matter, anything sort of wastewater treatment plants, leftover food processing, um, even like tips. They, they, this gas builds up that's mostly methane, mm -hmm. but has awful lot of other things mixed in like, and it's got um, all these like other chemicals that need to be stripped out. Yep. Once you upgrade that, you got basically pure methane, which is very close to natural gas. And mm -hmm. you can pump that in and use it as is. When you burn that, you do have carbon emissions mm -hmm. because methane is, has got carbon in it. But because it's a circular, it's a circular thing where you, you're using veg vegetation to produce the gas, and then you're burning it. Yep. It's a, it's that's what's regarded as net zero. Yep. Yeah, sweet. So, um, just lastly, for my side, a few more times actually, because I've got some more questions as I yeah, come right. up. But, um, so what I've just taken away from what you said earlier, Rob, I'm just thinking about it then is it, so it seems like we, 
maybe maybe part of the plan might be because you said we can sort of safely get to 20 percent hydrogen you know without anything changing on the consumer end yep. appliances and all that so do you think that's is that something we might be looking to do is to get to that 20 percent do you know how that might work because that that seems interesting to me that that's like the nice little medium where that we can sort of do at the moment without all the you know appliances With, and stuff changing on the consumer end yeah without changing the way that's really interesting um i'll be honest i have no idea yeah how that's going to shake out um i think the reason we're doing these sorts of things is so that we're ready for whatever mm. scenario makes sense yeah so yeah you could have a scenario where it's 20 percent hydrogen 80 percent biomethane and then you could be about 100 percent yeah carbon neutral um, you could have a scenario where you're 100% biomethane and be 100% carbon neutral, or you could have a scenario where you're 100% hydrogen. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the we're in a stage now, and because of projects like Instaus, we're at a stage now where we know those three scenarios are possible. Yep. So now it comes a matter of how do we actually yeah, get it yeah. done. I think it's really it's a cool space to be in. The more I've researched about it, the more interested I've got, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, from our perspective, I think gas being a fuel type is like really important to us because obviously being plumbers and gas fitters. So well, it's an interesting space to keep track of, I reckon. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, Rob, and giving me the time. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you. It's 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 been a really cool few years for me working in this and it's really cool to have interest. So thanks for your questions. You're a legend. Thanks for tuning in to another Plumify podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, and all the usual podcast platforms.